You are watching Christ's Commission Fellowship. Changing lives for eternity. I grew up in a family that regularly went to church every Sunday, but all throughout my teenage years, I depended more on myself rather than on the God, what I knew of God then. I began attending Bible studies here in CCF after college, together with my boyfriend, simply out of curiosity at first. But God used those simple Bible studies to begin showing me who He is and who He wanted to be in my life. Very soon after that, we got married, and that was the very first wedding of CCF. The future seemed exciting, promising, and bright. My husband was employed, and we agreed that I was to be a homemaker. Over the next several years, our family grew as God blessed us with three healthy baby boys. The huge responsibility of parenthood was something I decided to take very seriously, and I knew I had to depend on God's wisdom and strength to be a good mom. Managing our growing family's needs and household expenses was quite challenging, especially during times when my husband experienced employment interruptions. In 1996, the verse Jeremiah 29:11 took on a more significant meaning in my life. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Well, coming home from work one day, my husband said that he had just been to the doctor's clinic. He said rather calmly that the, dis the doctor discovered that he had cancer. Though hearing this was quite a shock, I took the news as calmly as I could. The next few days were a dizzying world of clinics, doctors, examinations, tests, waiting, and even more waiting. And then finally, it was determined that my husband had colorectal cancer stage 3. I admit I initially questioned God's ways at this point. Were we not doing our part to be the good Christian family that we were supposed to be? How could this be part of his plan to prosper us and not to harm us. We all know that cancer is an expensive disease. And after going through all the tests and consultations, we had no idea how to get the needed funds for my husband's surgery. Our savings dwindled very quickly, even faster than the surgery could be scheduled. I was constantly on my knees in prayer for God to provide a way. We decided to share this journey with our two older children because the third one was still a baby then. We updated them of what God was doing every step of the way. They were our strongest prayer warriors. And in this battle, and I tell you, I have never seen such hardy, joyful, and cooperative little soldiers. I know that their innocent trust in the Lord brought him joy, and watching them in pray, pray in faith, God's joy became my strength. And through his amazing grace, my husband's surgery proceeded as scheduled. God showed us his faithfulness and met our needs through the loving help of, from our families and our friends and from our caring church family as well. The operation and treatment improved my husband's condition. In the weeks that followed, he seemed to be recovering steadily. 
and he regained some of his strength. With some limitations and under doctor's orders, we were able to return to a semblance of normal life. It was so normal, in fact, that God blessed us with a fourth baby. The news about my pregnancy brought me a deep sense of joy combined with fear. Because at around the same time, we discovered that my husband's condition had begun to worsen. The cancer was now spreading to his vital organs, his bones, and even in his brain, all at a rapid pace. He lost his capacity to work and provide for us. He lost his strength to be a husband to me and the father to his boys. And eventually, he became too weak to even take care of his most basic personal needs. Now, once again, God's ways took me by surprise, and I just couldn't keep up. While my, while my tummy was steadily growing bigger and bigger each month, I had to take care of my husband, who was now painfully and quickly fading away. Every day was a test of mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual endurance. It was all too much for me to take in. I had a husband with terminal cancer, three boys to look after. I had no income. I had a household to run and bills to pay, and an unborn baby whose future I could not even begin to imagine. I knew God was always with me, but honestly, many times I was just too exhausted and drained to notice. But still, my heart's prayer and battle cry was that He would never leave me nor forsake me. So, shortly after he passed away, my husband was able to see and hold our fourth child, and this time it was a strong and lovely baby girl. Then at age 35, I became a widow to four young children, aged 10, 8, 2, and 7 weeks old. Many people worried about what our future would be like even fearful for our security and well-being. But Psalm 68 verse 5 says, God is a father to the fatherless and a defender to the widows. That is who He is and so much more. Even during tough times when we would go to sleep with a prayer and nothing more than 20 pesos in my wallet, God would miraculously make ways to provide food in the morning. And when one of my sons in college back then couldn't take an exam because I didn't have enough money to complete his tuition fee, his siblings offered to pool all their piggy bank savings and birthday money to help. After counting all the money we had put together, the coins and the small bills, we completed the exact amount that was required down to the very last centavo. You know, there are just, yes, praise to the Lord, glory to Him. There are just too many stories to testify of God's faithfulness in daily protecting, for, protecting us and providing for us. My children are all grown up now. Two of them are still in college, and they are all thriving in their own areas of work and service to the Lord. You know, people ask me how I raised my four kids on my own the past 20 years, and I always answer, I, rest, I raise them imperfectly, of course, but by God's grace. But the truth is, all this time, I was never really alone. Our perfect God was always with me to hold me and carry me through, to pick me up and restore me after every fall, and to reassure me of His unconditional love. 
And the best part is, through the years, my children were able to experience for themselves the power of prayer and the reality of God in their own lives. And this is the solid foundation that allows them to share Jesus to others as well. Please pray for us as our dependence on God and His faithfulness continues day by day. Today, I work as a full-time staff in the Next Gen Children's Ministry where we get to see how much today's children really urgently need to know Jesus Christ and His saving love. And as part of the Cool Solo Parents Ministry, I guide younger solo moms on similar journeys as mine, making sure to remind them of God's sufficiency in all things, no matter how rough or how tough and how lonely the road gets. Let me leave you with this verse. It's uh, Psalm 73, verse 28. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. God indeed is the rock that we can depend on. All glory, praise, and honor to his name alone. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. You know, our sister Jean began working with CCF when her husband passed away. She's involved in Sunday school for how many years? From the time he died, yeah, forever. And uh, she's still recruiting volunteers to help her. And I've invited her disciple, Chiki Veneracion, who is also in charge of the cool solo parenting family ministry. Guys, when you hear this testimony, are you blessed? Sometimes it's a wonder how in the world can a single mom take care of four wonderful children. Do you know how big those children are? Will you please stand up? Let them see your size, brothers. They're healthy, strong. Look at that. All right. God is faithful. Thank you. You know what this testimony reminds me of? We are not exempted from problems. Many times, Christians are not discipled properly. You and I think God owes us a comfortable life. Not exactly. God promised never to leave you. It's possible to have problems. But one thing is sure, God will never forsake us. In the midst of problems, you encounter even greater blessings. The blessing of intimacy with the Lord. Very few of us will be able to experience what our sister Bobby Jean experienced. That in the midst of crisis, God is always sufficient and enough. Is God amazing? Praise God. So let us now pray for this uh, amazing wonder women. I call them wonder woman, okay? Because God is amazing and God is wonderful. Amen? So why don't you stand up, raise your right hand. Let's pray <clears throat> for the Barreto family. Lord, I thank you for Bobby Jean for causing her to continuously trust you, even in the midst of trials and problems. We thank you for how you have sustained her family. Thank you for using D groups. Thank you for using church members. Thank you for using the church in your most amazing way to take care of your people. And we thank you for Chiki that you have given her a burden to help take care of single parents. 
to remind them that no matter what, you are always in our midst. And I thank you for the Barreto family, their children, how they have continuously walked with you. I pray that you will keep them holy, keep them pure, and give them a joy that comes from you to be a blessing to many others. Will you bless this family? And with one heart, we now commit to you our country that you help our president have wisdom, understanding. Help him in his desire to get rid of graft and corruption and drug addictions. Lord, will you intervene supernaturally? Expose the crooked people. Expose those who are involved in drugs. Expose those who are corrupt. Expose those who are dishonest, especially those surrounding him, those who are in the cabinet, those who are in power. Just be the one to get rid of them. And Father, have mercy on this country. Bring about a real spiritual transformation. I commit to you the vice president, the chief justice, especially the chief justice at this time, when people are out to impeach her, will you grant her also wisdom and protect her? I know she wants to follow you, and I know she belongs to you. Will you protect chief justice, the vice president, and the rest of all the cabinet members that we will all, they will all have one heart to serve your country sacrificially, to love this country more than they love themselves. I now pray for all CCF members, especially those who are not yet part of a small group, that they will learn that in life we need one another. And life is not to be lived for ourselves, but to be a blessing to others. Will you continue to bless CCF, including all of its satellites and its worldwide movement all over the world, that we will be honoring your name. We will be a blessing to others. I now commit to you this Sunday service, the message from beginning to end. May your name be exalted. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you. Two Sundays from now, we will be celebrating our anniversary. I want you to pray for me. Pray expectantly. Pray with vigor that God will use all of us, use me to bring many others to, the, to God's kingdom. So two Sundays from now, that will be our 30, what? 33rd anniversary. Is God amazing? My goodness, how many of you is less than 33 years old? Raise your hand. Wow, you're like us, young, young people, okay? God is amazing. Today we continue our series on our most amazing topic. It has to do with our core values. Guys, do you know our core values? Our core values is about love. So we have been discussing in the past, love God, love others. That's our value. We want to obey God's word and appointed authorities. We want to volunteer. We want to serve. That's why we love God. When you love God, you serve. You give him your treasure, your talent, your time, your energy. And these past few months, we've been discussing engaging the family. In engaging the family, there are a few basic issues you need to watch out. Do you recall last Sunday what we talked about? Materialism. Remember? What was the message last Sunday? Don't grab. Stop grabbing. Do you recall a few Sundays ago we talked about instant gratification? What is the new word you have discovered? 
immediate titis. What about don't quit, don't give up? What word is that? Quititis, don't quit. What about addiction? Did you learn something about addiction? They are dangerous. You need help. So today, I want to discuss with you entitlement. This is a spiritual sickness. Entitlement. What is entitlement? Today, people today have this entitlement mentality. Let me give you example. Before I give you example, let me share with you the definition of our message today. Entitelitis. Tell your neighbor, don't be afflicted with entitelitis. It's a disease, okay? We are always teaching you new, new vocabulary. It is a spiritual disease in which an individual believes that privileges are rights. Benefits are to be expected as a matter of right. Today, that's the mindset of people. I am entitled to this. These are my rights. And give you, let me give you an example of symptoms of entitlitis. For example, many young people today, they don't participate in house chores. That's their mindset. Young people, are you listening? Not thankful. Not grateful. Because you feel the oh, the world, your parents owe you something. Rules don't apply. The more successful you are, the greater is the tendency to think rules don't apply to you. That's entitlement. I praise God for my wife. Do you, do you realize one day my wife came to CCF and they asked her for her ID? And the guard says, where are you going? Now, there's a pastoral elders meeting. And my wife said, I'm going to meet my husband. Who is your husband? Peter, show me your ID. My wife showed her ID. And the guard called up the office. Asawa by Tony Peter. Then I praise God for my wife. She did not use the mindset of entitlement. She did not say, don't you know who I am? No, no. You know what she did? She walked across to go to the regular uh, entrance for guests. Because the guy was giving him a lot of problem. My friend, entitlement is a real disease. Including myself, I'm guilty of this at times. I remember I was invited to speak in a church conference, not CCF, by another church. And when I went in, I wanted to check in. The person in charge of registration did not have a room for me at that time. And I was telling my wife, whispering, don't they know who we are? We are the guest speaker. Guest speaker should have priority. We should have room. But my wife and I sat down. We told ourselves, Humility, humility, humility. No entitlement, no entitlement, no entitlement. In other words, this is real. Even I am tempted to expect special treatment. What about you? When you come to CCF, do you expect special parking reserved for you? Do you expect when you enter the elevator that everybody will give way to you? 
when you go down the escalator and you see somebody older, do you let them go first? Or do you feel you're entitled because you're paying tithes? You know, some people, because of tithes, they think they own a particular seat. You know, when you sit in their place, they feel bad. My friend, beware of entitlement. What about laziness? We don't teach our children to work. I want it now. I want it because everyone else has it. That's entitlement mentality. I expect others to fix my problems. I want happiness my way. Now, these are all mindset of entitlitis. You have this idea. And let me share with you how dangerous this is. Last year, we had a birthday party for one of my granddaughter. I won't tell you which one, so you won't be guessing. You know why? I have 18 grandchildren. So relax, you will not know which one. When my wife and I gave her the gift, she cried. I was surprised why she cried. I was hoping she would be crying out of joy. <laughs> Thank you for this gift. No, she was crying because she did not like the gift. <laughs> my goodness, these are my grandchildren. What kind of parents are we producing? What kind of grandchildren? So after the party, I kept cool, I kept quiet. I got all the parents into my room. I said, let's have a meeting. I said, these are my observations. Your children, my grandchildren, are developing an entitlement mindset. And because of that, this coming Christmas, we are not going to give any children any gift. We are going to bring them to the squatter area. We are going to bring them to the poor. We want them to serve. Because the problem of children not serving, they develop entitlement mentality. So my friend, that Christmas, we brought our entire family to a poor area where they give gifts and not receive gifts. So I want to ask yourself, have you developed this entitlement mentality? I was reading an article. A girl and a brother, 23 years old, 20 years old, sued her mother for $50,000. Now the case was dropped in the court because the court says this is crazy. You know what they sued the mother for? Because the mother wrote a birthday card by saying, happy birthday, I love you, lots of hugs, but no money inside. So the son says, bad mothering, no money. You know what the girl sued the mother for? The mother did not buy her a gown. Did not buy her a gown for a party. My friend, that is extreme example of entitlement. What's the message today? Everybody, beware of entitlement. Do you know the cure? I will give you the cure. Are you ready for the cure? Now, before I give you the cure, let me just give you 
quickly what we think we're entitled. What are we entitled for, okay? Number one, many people think we're entitled for our inheritance. I have young people telling me how they plan to sue their mother and their father. So I tell them, stop suing. You are entitled to nothing. Just be grateful. They sue their parents. Do you realize a study was made about inheritance? For a Chinese family, majority do not last to the third generation. Asian families, inheritance goes to the first generation, it's still okay. Next generation, they still remember how to work hard. But the third generation, the money's gone. And that, my friend, is a problem of entitlement. What about high-paying job? You know, many people expect high-paying jobs. Watch out for certain schools, okay? The entitled schools. Promotions, bonus. You know, many people, they want to be promoted. After a few months, an opposition, gusto mo, presidente. I'm just joking, okay? What about this one, trouble-free life? You know, I praise God for the testimony of our sister. God never promised us a trouble-free life. But he promised to be with us. Because this side of the world is not heaven. This is not yet heaven. So God does not promise you a trouble-free life. What about happiness? You know, many people think they're entitled to happiness. Can you listen for a short while? The U.S. Constitution guarantees the right to pursue happiness. But the U.S. Constitution, including the Philippine Constitution, cannot guarantee happiness. What about free and fast Wi-Fi? Is that a privilege or is that a right? What about latest tech gadgets? Do you know young people today, they all expect to have a cell phone? Do you know during my days, I grew up without a cell phone? I don't know how, how I survived. But today, if you don't give cell phone to your children, they might not even want to go to school. You know why? Because they say everybody has it. I got to have it. What about iPad? Do you think your children want iPad? How many of you have iPads for your children? Raise your hands. Confession time. That's okay. Higher, higher, higher. Okay, we won't video you. All right. What about travel? People think they have a right to travel. If you travel, young people, who will pay for your travel? Who? If you are seated beside your daddy, mommy, tell your daddy, mommy. Daddy, you pay, huh? Well, singles. Are you entitled to a partner, a relationship? What about happy family? My friends, these are examples of entitlement. It's very natural. It's very normal. You need to mature. When you are a baby, you are the center of the universe. As you grow older, hopefully your parents will teach you that you are not the center of the universe. Hopefully, as you grow older, your emotional cause and your EQ develops. Because young people, you need to realize, older people, you and I need to realize, we are not the center of the universe. People don't exist for us. But today, all over the world, that's exactly what people think. 
It's all about entitlement. I'm entitled to hospital care. I'm entitled to a job. I'm entitled to be happy. I'm entitled to be all I want to be. It doesn't matter what sex I choose. I'm entitled to be what I want to be. My friend, that kind of mindset has to be corrected because that is not life. Entitled people are the unhappiest people in the world. Why is this message important? Can I tell you why it is important? If you want to be miserable, don't listen to this message. If you want to be miserable, develop entitlement mentality. But if you want to be happy, based on the teachings of Jesus, learn from this message. What is the message today? Very simple. I want you to memorize the message today. Everybody read. Beware of entitlement. Be grateful. One more time. Beware of entitlement. Be grateful. So turn to your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, be grateful. Gratefulness is an attitude. You realize you don't deserve. You don't deserve many things, but whatever you have, you are grateful. So gratefulness is an attitude. And thankfulness is the expression of gratitude. So thankfulness is an expression of gratefulness. Let me share with you the message today. So simple. Be grateful. Everybody say with me. Be grateful. I will teach you CPR. Now, what is CPR? Medically, CPR means what? Cardio, pulmonary, resuscitation. When people are dying, not able to breathe, the heart is not beating anymore, what do you do? You do CPR. Many people today, spiritually, they are dying. Emotionally, they are dying. You need to resuscitate their life, their spiritual life, so that joy will be back. Many of, many of us have lost your joy. You have lost the zest for life. You know why? Wrong mindset, entitlement mentality. What is CPR? Very simple. C stands for what? Come blessings. Don't compare. One more time. C stands for come blessings. Don't compare. What is P? P stands for positive perspective. It stands for perspective. Okay? Perspective. I want to explain that in a short while. What is C? C? No. What is C? P? What is R? R stands for recipient of grace. You must surrender your rights. Now, let me expand this from the Bible. What is the message today? Only one main point. Only one main point. What's the message today? Be grateful. Turn to your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, be grateful. Beware of entitlitis. Beware. And what must you do? Be grateful. Now, how do you become grateful? I will teach you. C P R. How can you be grateful? What's the first C? Count your blessings. Don't compare. All right, let's look at the Bible. How do you count your blessings? Everybody, read this together. <clears throat> In everything, give thanks. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You want to know what's God's will for you today? 
God wants you to give thanks. Notice the grammar. In everything, give thanks. Not in something. In good things and bad things. Give thanks. Do you know, a few weeks ago, my wife and I, we were going to Baguio. I have to speak in Baguio. And we were stopped by the police. Because my driver was driving, and I know he was driving very well. He's a Christian. They accused him of overspeeding. 135 kilometers per hour. But in my mind, he was not speeding. So my wife and I talked to the police. How do you know he is speeding? They said, sir, we have camera. So I politely say, can you produce the camera? Can you produce the picture? Because I really believe my driver was not overspeeding. We have to wait a long time. We were very nice, smiling. And then the guy produced the picture from another person. The other person came. And then the other person saw my face. Pastor, it's so good. We were very polite. We were very nice. Pastor, sorry, yeah, sorry, but your driver was caught over speeding. You know, how can you give thanks in such circumstances? Let me tell you why. Because my wife got God's way to heaven, you know, God's way to heaven, and shared with the guy telling us we were overspeeding. And we told the guy, God loves you very much. He loves you so much that you stop us because we have a message for you. This is the message. God's way to heaven. <laughs> Praise God. My friend, in everything, notice, in everything, what must you do? Give thanks. Why? This is God's will. Another verse. i just give you an example of verses. Everybody read. Always giving thanks for all things, good and bad. It's very hard. It's very hard to give thanks when something bad happens. Yes or no? Be honest with me. I remember one day, as I was leaving Hong Kong, I missed the airplane. In my mind, my bug is checked in already. I am there. I can talk to people, but I miss my flight. That was years ago. I've learned. I've learned not to miss my flight now. Okay? But when I miss my flight, I was thinking, how, how will I thank the Lord? See, you thank the Lord by faith. Lord, I don't know why I miss my flight, but I thank you. So I thought of ways to make it worthwhile. So I was booked the next day. So I had one day left. You know what I did? I visited my auntie. And I shared the gospel with my auntie because I missed the flight. Would you believe it? After I shared the gospel with my auntie, the next few months, before I knew it, she passed away. So it occurred to me. I missed my flight by divine appointment so that I can share the gospel with my auntie. My auntie was born in China. Never heard the gospel. In everything, what must you do? You want to be grateful? Count your blessings. And the Bible tells us, how do you thank the Lord? You thank the Lord. Everybody read this. I will give you thanks in the great congregation. I will praise you among a mighty throne. You see, in the Old Testament, when you give thanks, you declare it publicly. When I want to thank my wife, I don't just thank my wife. 
I talk to her friends and I tell her friends, this is what my wife did to me. I want to thank her for what she did. When you thank God, you do exactly the same thing. You tell the congregation, this is what God has done. This is what he accomplished in my life. I want to thank him. That is what our sister did. Jean Barreto. You know why Bobby Jean? She declared publicly. And my friend, that's why I like you to be part of a small group. In a small group, you can give thanks publicly. You can thank the group members. You know what? This is what happened to me this week. Because to thank the Lord, you have to tell others. You don't thank the Lord privately. Let me repeat. To thank the Lord, you declare Him publicly. Does God deserve our thankfulness? Yes or no? You know, I consider this the greatest privilege to come to you on a regular basis to share with the whole congregation all over the world how good God is. I thank the Lord for all that He has done in my life, through my life. You need to thank the Lord. And if you are thankful, I guarantee you something. Your life will be joyful. Show me somebody who is thankful and I'll show you somebody who is joyful. Show me someone who is full of entitlement and I'll show you somebody who is miserable. It's always about themselves. Let me share with you from the Bible an amazing illustration of how do you develop gratitude. How do you avoid entitlement? What's the message today? Beware of entitlitis. Be grateful. Everybody share that with me. Be grateful. One more time. Be grateful. How can you be grateful? Number one, count your blessing. Don't compare. Number two, perspective. Have the right perspective. Number three, remember you are, you are the recipient of grace. Surrender your rights. All right? Let's read together. Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. Everybody read. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. So the story is now the kingdom of heaven. He's now giving an analogy. What the kingdom of heaven is like? What is the value? Now the verse before verse 20 is chapter 19. The last chapter of chapter 19, the last verse of chapter 19 is the last shall be first and the first last. And now he talks about the kingdom of heaven. Because the end of chapter 20, the end of chapter 20 is exactly the same as the last shall be first and the first last. Having said that, let's now go to the next verse. Everybody. When he had agreed with the laborers, for a denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. Now, you have to understand. In the days of Jesus, people who have no work, they tambay. There are places where they make tambay. And the landowner looks for these people and says, you know what? You have no job. Can I offer you a job? You negotiate. I'll offer you a denarius. How much is a denarius in today's equivalent? What is the minimum salary today? More or less, how much? 500 pesos. More or less. I offer you 500 pesos. So the workers agreed. He sent them into his vineyard. Next. 
In the third hour, what time is that? Third hour means 9 o'clock in the morning. The first hour is 6 o'clock in the morning. They work for 12 hours. So now, 9 o'clock. He saw those standing by what time? 9 o'clock. And then the Bible tells us, he went about and saw another group of people at the 6th and ninth hour. What is the 6th hour? 12. What is the ninth hour? 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Come. I will pay you the right amount. No more negotiation. I'll just pay you. Everybody, read verse 20. Uh, chapter 20, verse 6. Ah, 11 hour. What time is that? 5 o'clock in the afternoon. 11 hour. He saw some people having no work. He offered them. He said, come. Standing around and said, why have you been standing here idle all day long? Why are you not working? You know what they said? Because no one hired us. We don't have a job. The master. No problem, he said. You go into the vineyard too. That's the story. The kingdom of heaven is like some people who entered working 6 o'clock in the morning. And then you have the last group of people, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, the suspense and the twist and the moral of the story begins. Let's read. When evening came, what time is that? Six o'clock in the morning, six o'clock at night. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages. Nothing wrong. Surprisingly is this. Beginning with the last group. Now, why did he pay the last group first and not begin with the first group first? Have you ever wondered why? To teach us a very important lesson. Would you like to know what is that lesson? Let's read the next verse. When those hired about the 11th hour came, each one received a denarius, 500 pesos. Denarius is one day salary, 500 pesos. He only worked for how long? <laughs> Going to the office, you know, wash his hands. By the time he got to work, maybe it's hard work, hard labor, one hour, boom, finished. How much was he paid? 500 pesos. If you are the first worker who has been working for 12 hours, what will enter your mind? Ha, you'll be saying, wow, if that guy is paid 500 and I have worked for at least 10 hours, 12 hours, mm-hmm, I'm going to be paid a lot. Yes or no? In fact, if he had cell phone only, he would have called his wife. Honey, 
I'm going to get a bonus. You booked a trip to San Francisco. We're going to have a vacation. Is that what happened? Let's find out. Let's find out. Are you interested to find out? When those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them received what? A denarius. 500 pesos. My goodness. Entitlement says I deserve more. I have a right to be paid more. Look at the story here. When they receive it, they grumbled. You see, when you compare, you grumbled at the landowner saying, these last men have worked only one hour. You have made them equal to us who have borne the burn and the scorching heat of the day. Listen to me. You have two perspectives, the perspective of the workers and the perspective of the owner. Let's look at the perspective of the worker, the first that worked for 12 hours. Is he logical? Louder. Yes. Is he making sense? Yes. If you are the worker who came the last hour, 11 hour, is the boss making sense? Yes or no? Or will you say, boss, too much money, too much. Give it to the first person. Or will you also accept it? Two perspectives, the workers and the landowner. Do you want to know the perspective of the landowner? Who is a picture of God? Let's find out. The landowner said, he answered and said to, to them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me, Faridinarius? In other words, the landowner is saying, I am not doing anything wrong. When I hired you, we agreed. I will pay you 500 pesos a day. I am not defrauding you. I am not cheating you. Is that the right perspective? My friend, can I tell you our problem? We don't count our blessing. We compare. I have discovered, especially for Asian, especially Filipinos, we have a hard time understanding Romans when the Bible tells us, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. You know, as Filipinos, we are very empathic people. We can sympathize. But to rejoice with those who rejoice, we have a problem. You know what this is telling me? When people are promoted, can you honestly say, I am happy for you? Or are you be, will you be thinking, that should have been me. Singles, when your girlfriend, when your boyfriend marry somebody who is your friend, but you like the guy or you like the girl, but they marry the other person, what will you say? Will you say, hallelujah? I'm still single. <laughs> Can you rejoice with those who rejoice? That, my friend, is a mindset you need to develop. Be grateful. How can you be grateful? Count your blessing. Don't compare. And the reason why your perspective has to be right, 
Let's look at the next verse. Take what is yours and go. But I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. In other words, he's saying, what is it to you? If I want to be generous. Perspective, my friend. Look at the next verse. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? You know what this tells, you know what this tells me? I surrender my rights. I have no rights. God is sovereign. He owns everything. Yes or no? He owns everything. Second, he can do whatever he wants to do with what he owns. Yes or no? Understand that clearly. God does not owe me anything. Friend, the earlier you understand this truth, God does not owe you anything. You see, this is the problem with many marriages. It's called expectations becomes obligations. Let me explain to you. Singles, listen to this. Married, listen to this. Before you get married, you have expectations. For example, you ask a girl or a guy, the girl, what are her expectations when she gets married? My husband will continue to be nice to me. My husband will court me every day. My husband will provide for me. My husband will take care of me. Do you understand that mindset? Gentlemen, when you get married, what are your expectations? My wife will cook for me. My wife will take care of the house. My wife will clean. Whatever is your expectation. And then, boom, you get married. Oh, what happened? This is what happens. Expectations become obligations. For example, if your husband forgets to call you and greet you on your birthday, happy birthday, sweetheart, in your mind, he's committing a mortal sin. You know why? Because you want him to be romantic. If he does not take you out at night for candlelight dinner, you see, that relationship is now obligation. You ought to do this to me. You got to take care of me. You got to give me a big house. You have to give me a nice, comfortable car. If that becomes obligation, the relationship will slowly deteriorate because obligation, a relationship based on obligation is legalistic. However, if it is based on love, my wife and I have been married 44 years. Did you know we celebrated our 44th anniversary last week? You're all invited last week. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Let, now, my wife and I have expectations. This is my guidelines to all of you married. It's okay to tell your husband, to tell your wife, I will be happy, I will desire if you can do this. But don't demand. The day you demand, you make expectations become rights. You don't do that. So the secret is this. Increase your appreciation, lower your expectation. Everybody repeat. Increase your appreciation, lower your expectation. That's the key to a joyful marriage. They have studies after studies. 
What is the common denominator of long-lasting, happy marriages? And this is the common denominator. High appreciation. You appreciate each other. You show each other. You're appreciative. Expectations, demands, these are the favorite words of entitlement. People who are entitled. I deserve this. I deserve this. That's entitlement. You must say, thank you. Instead of, I deserve this. Because entitled people have this vocabulary. You owe me. You owe me. You have an obligation to me. My friend, God is the owner. He does not owe us anything. Can I tell you something? Including salvation. God does not owe you salvation. God does not owe us anything. Everything we have is a gift from God. Some of you have had encounter with death. I had a short encounter with death. When the doctor told me, Peter, I think you have lung cancer. I got the scare of my life. The doctor told me, you sit down. I said, why do I need to sit down? Because when I tell you the news, you may collapse. So sit down. You know, the Philippine doctors are very loving. They want to make sure you don't collapse. So he asked me to sit down first. And he said, I look at your x-ray. Remember my story? The doctor said, I think you have cancer. Now, my friend, when somebody tells you you have cancer of the lungs, it's almost a death sentence. But I have discovered about life. For me, life is a gift. I thank the Lord. At that time, I thank the Lord by faith. I said, Lord, I thank you for giving me so many years of wonderful time with my wife, for allowing me to raise up my children, that they all love you, they all serve you. Because for me, life is a gift. I don't demand. I don't say, Lord, why? Because I have learned my theology. Life is a gift. God owns everything. He has every right to do with what he owns. If he wants to bless me with longer years, praise God. But I cannot demand. If God will cure my cancer, praise God. But praise God, by the grace of God. It has been almost 10 years now, 10 years. Look at me. Am I still alive? Praise God. You know why? It's not cancer. It's TB. <laughs> TB. In fact, when I went to the States, they won't allow me to enter the clinic. You know, Americans are afraid of TB. Please, 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 don't know. I felt so bad. I mean, this is called racial prejudice. I said, why, why will you not talk to me? Please, please, sir, please, please. Don't go to this clinic. You go to the emergency room. Go to the hospital. You know, my whole point is this. When I got another lease in life, I realized, Lord, I thank you. So every day to me is a blessing. Every day is a blessing. So why don't you turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, praise God, you are alive today. Praise God, okay? When you hear the testimony of Bobby Jean Barreto, did you hear her testimony? Did you hear all her problems? After listening to her problems, do you still have problems? Will you still complain? I tell you, it's all about perspective. So... 
the Bible tells us we are recipients of grace. I am generous. You see, God is generous. He does not need to pay the last worker denarii, denarius. He can just pay him a fraction of what is paid. But God is generous. You know, if you can learn today to embrace gratitude, be grateful. How can you be grateful, everybody? Count your blessings. Don't compare. Do you know in CCF, all the pastors, all the staff are told, never, ever, 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 never, ever compare salary. Why? You're happy now. And then you discover somebody else has higher pay. And what happens to you? You lose your joy. See, comparison will rob you of joy. It's called entitlement mentality. What's principle number two? C, count your blessing. What is P? Perspective. You know, many times, you need to have the right perspective to be thankful. Can I tell you the story of a guy by the name of Matthew Henry? He's a Bible scholar. He taught his students, be thankful all the time. Have the right perspective. One day, he was robbed. When he was robbed, he wrote in his journal, and he shared this. He thanked the Lord. Now, show me how do you thank the Lord when you are robbed. Think about it. How do you thank the Lord when you are robbed? You know how he did it? Number one, Lord, I thank you. Because this is the first time I was robbed. I was not robbed before. So he thanked the Lord. At least he was robbed one, one time. First time. Second, they took my money. But they didn't take my life. I thank you, Lord. Third, Lord, I thank you. When they got my wallet, it does not have a lot of money. Just a few money left. So, Lord, I thank you. They took away just a little. And lastly, Lord, I thank you. I was the one robbed. I did not rub. Wow. What kind of perspective is that? My friend, it's a discipline of the mind. You must always learn to give thanks. And my suggestion is this. Increase your appreciation. Lower your expectation. How do we apply this? With me and my wife. My wife is not perfect. There are certain things in her life I wish she can change. But you know, I can't all the good things of her life, her character, her faithfulness, her hard work. I count. I focus on the good things. Increase your appreciation. Lower your expectations. I have five wonderful children. I have five wonderful in-laws. Have you heard of the joke about in-laws and outlaws? All of us, all your children, Sooner or later, may become, what? In-laws. You know what I mean? In-law, daughter-in-law, son-in-law. Except the wife. Your wife will never be in-law. You know what? Your wife will always be the law. Remember that joke? <laughs> anyway, that's just a joke, okay? <clears throat> now, joking aside, how do you increase appreciation, lower expectations? Let me give you a secret. You must purposely, consciously ask God, to open your eyes and see your friends, your family members. There are good things about them. All of my in-laws, all of my children. If I focus on what's wrong with them, I become negative. 
I don't focus on what's wrong. I focus on the good things. So all of you, from this day onward, I want you to practice gratitude. How do you practice gratitude? Count your blessing. Number two, perspective. Positive. Look at the good things. CCF is not a perfect church. CCF is not. But there are good things about CCF. Amen? Your small group. Your small group is not perfect. But there are good things about your small group. Yes or no? Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. No problem. I still love you. You see? Good things. But may I suggest, that's how you appreciate people. Look for the good things. Don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on what you have and thank the Lord. Can I give you an example of what you can thank the Lord for? Are you ready? Don't be jealous. Okay? Don't compare. Remember, envy is resenting God's goodness to others. You resent and you ignore God's goodness in your life. That's why we are jealous. No, no. Don't compare. Count your blessing. Number two, develop the right perspective. Okay? Now, the right perspective is very simple. Let me summarize for you our message today. Be grateful, everybody. Be grateful. Number one, count your blessings. Ten blessings a day. I want you now to articulate to God ten blessings a day. When you meet your husband, when you meet your wife, say something good ten times today to your family, to your children. Can you do that? All right, very simple. Practice now, practice. Say at least two, three things to somebody beside you. Okay? Two, three things. Somebody, if, you, if, that, if that guy's a stranger, just say, I'm so glad you don't smell. Okay, something like that. I mean, say, say, say something good, okay? Something good. If that's your, f- okay, say something good. Please practice, something good. Okay, children, say something good to your parents, okay? All right, this, this group, I know. The father, say, say something nice to your father. Three things, three things. To each other, three things. Don't be like my friend, huh? She was told, say good things to your husband, even once. You know, the next week she, she told us, I wanted to say good things, but my word got choked. I love my bus. No, no, say good things. Okay, did you say good things already? Some of you are not happy. You know why you're not happy people? Happy people are entitled people, self-centeredness. You will never be happy. And you'll be miserable for the rest of your life. Count your blessing. Say something nice to other people. Perspective. Everything is about grace. It's from God. Now, everybody, I don't know if you understand this. I want you to be thankful for your food today. 800 million people today are malnourished. 22,000 children will die every day. Because of no food. I look at this group of people, you know, I look at your sizes. I look at the way you, you know. I just look at your sizes. <laughs> you have lots of food. Thank the Lord for food. Thank the Lord for water. You know, you don't realize how blessed we are. I was in the Middle East. And I saw how horrible it is to live in a place where there is no water. It's a desert. Have you been to a desert? I praise God for the rain, even though I don't like too much rain, but I would rather have rain than no rain. So this week, if there's a typhoon, what will you say? 
Thank you, Lord. At least we have water, okay? 2.5 billion people lack sanitary condition and clean water. How many of you have a toilet you can use? Raise your hand. You have a toilet you can use. Higher. Would you believe it? I brought my children to a mountain to visit missionaries where there is no toilet. The toilet is a hole, a hole. You know why I brought my children there? So when they come home, they'll appreciate the house. Be grateful you have water. What about electricity? Do you know almost 2 billion people have no electricity? No TV at night, no aircon, no fan, no nothing. What about internet access? Would you believe it? 50% of the world's population today have no internet access. It's a problem. What about car? Wow, how many of you rode in a car today? Raise your hands. You rode in a car. I'm not saying you own it. You rode in a car today. Higher. How many of you just walk? No, I'm serious. Because I was in China, I met Christians who walked for three, four hours just to worship. Three, four hours to go home. During winter, three, four hours. Three, four hours to go home. Do you complain about traffic? Yes or no? You complain about traffic? All right, I will not teach you how not to complain. The fact that you are complaining about traffic is because you are in a car. No car, no traffic. You don't want traffic? Just walk. Comprende? All right. See, now you're smiling. Be thankful. Okay, say, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, thank you. Okay, be, be, be thankful. Now, what about this one? Education. How many of you are in college now or you have finished college? Raise your hands. Higher. Guys, you have no idea that the majority of the world's population don't have college degree. Those of you who are studying now, you should be thankful. Is God good to us, yes or no? Let's count all of these blessings. What about this one? Roof. How many of you tonight will have a roof over your house? Raise your hand. You see, believe it or not, almost a billion people have no decent housing. They live in cardboard boxes, cartoons. They live in metal uh, GI sheets. I mean, no decent housing. How many of you, this is my favorite, how many of you can worship God today without fear of going to jail? How many of us can worship and sing? Wow, do you realize if you have all of the above today, all of the above today, you are in the top 5% of the world's population. Man, you are top 5%. Wow, is that amazing? So look at me. Stop grumbling. Stop complaining. Be grateful. Say that with me. Be grateful. My friend, how do we be grateful? Count your blessings. Say that with me. Count your blessings. So today was your assignment. Today. Ten times. Okay? Give thanks. Ten times. Ten times in your house. If you say three things to your wife, honey, I thank you for preparing food. I thank you for... Being faithful, 
I thank you for cleaning the house. And then you see your children. Anak, I thank you that you are helping clean the house. It's called a, prof it's a prophecy. <laughs> I thank you for cleaning the toilet. That's another prophecy. And then children, you impress your parents. You really thank your parents. You, you thank your parents for hard work. And then, perspective. Everybody, increase your appreciation, lower your expectations. And that is a secret to our lasting marriages. My wife and I married for almost 44 years, 44 years. And what do we practice? Appreciation, lower expectations. I don't make demands. I appreciate. I wish my wife would do certain things I want her to do. I wish my children would do certain things. If my children come to my house on Sunday, I'm appreciative. If they don't come to my house, I don't demand. Why? I don't want them to be obligated. I train them properly. If they bring food to my house tonight, like tonight, we have a family gathering. If they bring food, hallelujah. If they don't bring food, I feed them. But you know what? I praise God. They are not used to this free loader. You know, you play libre, libre, libre. They learn to provide food. So on Sunday night, we have the best food. Everybody brings something. If you don't bring something, you are welcome. We don't demand. We appreciate. Say it with me. We appreciate. So if they don't come, that's fine. If you come, that's good. What about surrender your rights? You know, as we close, I did not share this in the first service. I'm going to share this in the second service. You know why you need to understand you are the recipient of grace and surrender your rights? Because when you demand rights, you develop entitlement mentality. You surrender your rights. Your right to be right, surrender. Your right to be heard, surrender. One of these days, and I'll give you an amazing story of surrendering your rights, but not today. Today, I just want to share with you, be grateful. Say that with me. Be grateful. What's number one? Count your blessings. What's number two? Perspective. Increase your appreciation. Lower your expectation. And lastly, we are recipient of grace. What does that mean, recipient of grace? In the story of the parable, Jesus is telling us something about heaven. Heaven is a place that you don't deserve. Heaven is a place that you don't earn. It's grace. The first one and the last one is a reminder of the kingdom of heaven. Some people feel they're entitled to heaven. My friend, God does not owe you heaven. Can I tell you what I deserve? I deserve condemnation. But God gave me salvation. I deserve judgment. I'm a sinner. God gave me forgiveness. Do you understand what we deserve? We deserve judgment. We deserve condemnation. We deserve to go to hell. But in the kingdom of heaven, God wants you to know something. 
Everything is by grace. You will not earn it. You cannot deserve it. It's from Him. And once you understand this, you will now understand the power of the thief on the cross. Let me read that verse to you about grace. We are product of God's grace. Look at the criminal on the cross. This is what he said. He said, Do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? We indeed are suffering justly. We are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing. Notice, the kingdom of God is not about something you deserve. You know what I deserve? I deserve judgment. I deserve condemnation. I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve forgiveness. It's all about grace. And this criminal understood the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has nothing to do with your merit. You don't deserve it. You see, the first worker who worked at 8 o'clock in the morning, it speaks of many so-called Christians. You know, praise God, you came to know the Lord early in life. And you are given a chance to serve him. But there are some other people who did not know the Lord. Like the criminal on the cross. He's about to die. When he's about to die, he came to Jesus. And what did Jesus say? Look at what Jesus told this guy. He didn't even have a chance to serve him. Jesus said, let's read. He cried, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you today, you shall be with me in paradise. That is the kingdom of heaven. It is not based on merits. It's all about grace. You know, I'm a recipient of God's grace. When I look in my life, I realize I deserve judgment. But God gave me forgiveness. I deserve condemnation. That's my sin. I deserve condemnation. But God gave me salvation. Because the Christian life is all about grace. This is a parable of the kingdom of heaven. This is not talking about rewards. Rewards is something else. Rewards is also by grace. What you do for Jesus, that's reward. That's about grace also. But today, I want you to realize something. If you fail to understand the grace of God, you won't be grateful. The reason why I'm grateful, and I want you guys to be grateful, is all about the grace of God. I don't deserve Jesus. I don't deserve life. I'm not entitled to any of the above. But God gave me grace. I'm a recipient of grace. And because I'm a recipient of grace, I'm grateful. And because I'm grateful, I will always give thanks to the Lord. Because I'm a recipient of grace, from this day onward, I want to encourage you. Let us always look for opportunities to thank the Lord. Somebody once said, the most godly man, the most spiritual man is not he who prays most. It is not he who gives most to the poor. It is not he who sacrifices most. It is he who thanks most. The most spiritual man is the most grateful man. He's always thanking the Lord. Why don't we do that? Let's be grateful. And if you are grateful, I guarantee you, you will stop grumbling, you will stop complaining, 
Because every time you are about to grumble, I want you to think. Count your blessing. Perspective. Think of what you can thank the Lord for. And lastly, grace. Let's bow our heads. If God has spoken to you, that you have been grumbling, you have been complaining, the first thing I'd like you to do is to repent. You need to ask God to forgive you because you have no idea of the theology of us having no rights at all. God has all the rights. We have no rights. We are recipient of grace. Will you ask God to forgive you? Secondly, if God has been speaking to you that you want to change your lifestyle, you want to live a life of gratitude, a life of gratefulness, from this day onward, you commit to do your best, to count your blessings, and not focus on what you don't have, but focus on what you have. Be grateful. Be thankful. Will you raise your hands? Praise God. I want you to make that commitment. From this day onward, I will stop grumbling. I will focus on what I have. I will focus on God's blessing. Praise God. Now, before you bring your hands down, well, bring your hands down first. A third group of people I want to address. You have never received the unconditional reality of knowing that your sins are forgiven. The reason why you, are, you have not experienced the reality of the forgiveness of your sins, you have never understood the value of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is about grace. It's not something you merit. Now that you have understood it, yeah, why don't you say, Lord Jesus, today I come to you. I want to receive your grace, the grace of salvation. If that's your desire, raise your hands. Praise God. That's the one I want to focus on. Okay, raise your hands. You want to receive the grace of salvation today. You finally understood the kingdom of heaven is not about merits. It is not about deserving heaven. I don't deserve heaven. Heaven is a gift. You understand that today, and you want to receive this gift. Not entitled, but by grace. Raise your hands. Higher. Higher. Praise God. You know why? I want you to raise your hands higher. Because I want to pray for you. You finally understood it's all about grace. It is not entitlement. I'm not entitled to heaven. I'm not entitled to eternal life. But Lord, it's all about grace. Higher. I want to pray for you. And you pray this prayer with me. Higher. Okay. Those of you, hands raised up. Let us receive God's gift of grace, salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus. I realize it's not, about, it's not about merits. It's not about entitlement. It's not about I deserve heaven, but it's all by grace. Lord, we are unworthy, but because of Jesus, we are recipient of grace. I now receive this gift, Lord. I receive this willingly and in humility. I receive you, Jesus, as my forgiveness. I receive you, Jesus, for eternal life. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior and my Master. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the gift 
of salvation. Thank you for the gift that is unmerited. Father God in heaven, I now pray for everybody here that today you will help us to count our blessings, to have the right perspective, to always increase our appreciation towards one another and lower our expectations of people. Help us not to be demanding, but help us to be generous in our appreciation of others. And above all, Lord, help us to be generous to you. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for salvation. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for all the blessings we have in this life, the freedom to gather, our food, our clothing, our shelter. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Connect with CCF through the following websites. Jumpstart your spiritual journey by joining a small group. We are so blessed you were able to join us today. God bless and see you next time.